0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, welcome to church. Are you having a good time? Awesome. It was fun to listen to you sing such a powerful message about God making us brave. My name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of New Life, and I am... Excited to get to teach you a little bit this morning. Um, Every Sunday morning at New Life is a morning of learning and discovery. For those of you who are brand new, you're you're about ready to learn that. And this is the learning and the discovery part of our church service. So I want to welcome you along on that journey. If you would take your program out right now, uh, a couple of things that I would point out to all of us. Uh, You can take out the long skinny card. Uh, That enables us to actually serve everyone who comes here. Uh, Those of us who come here all the time, you know the drill. For those of you who are brand new, if you would put your contact information on the front side, on the back side, there are all sorts of ways to ask for information, have our staff pray about something that's happening in your life, sign up for something that our church is offering. All those things happen uh, on the back side of the card, but we have to be able to connect that with somebody. So if you'd put your contact information on the card right now, at the end of the service, we'll be collecting those. And that way we can follow up with you as is appropriate um, and as you have requested. The second thing is this sheet of uh, teaching notes. You're going to want to write some stuff on there today. um, And if filling in the blanks helps you learn, we provide that every Sunday. Um, I got a very interesting little... Facebook post this week from a lady in our church who has been collecting those for four years in handy-dandy reference, and I was most impressed with her organizational skill, but even more impressed with her desire to learn. Uh, So that's pretty cool. This particular thing, for some of you, it's not orange, it's yellow or green or blue or whatever else. We are in the process of putting together uh, what I would call a God-speaks-to-us wall, Kevin says it's going to be up here somewhere. And we are pressing into this topic of can you hear me now? Does God really speak to us? And this morning, I'm going to press into one particular avenue that God speaks to us. And I just want to tell you up front, I think it's one of the most important things you can ever learn as a Christian. And in some ways, it contains the essence of the Christian life. So if you want to write this down... I'm going to give you what is the essence of the Christian life. And you can write it in one simple phrase, okay? It's not in your notes, but here you go. The essence of the Christian life is seeking God and learning to live as his child. It's that simple. Now, that's profound, and that's not easy. You ready? It's seeking God and learning to live as his child. So today we're going to press into the concept or, or, or the question, I know God might speak to me through the pastor. I know that God might speak to me through the Bible. I know that God, maybe in, in a tangible way, would speak to me through my life group or small group or friends who, uh, that, that surround me. But the question of the morning is, does God ever speak to me personally? Does he love me enough to single me out and actually give me a message? So one of the things that we're we're building on this God speaks to us wall is we're writing down instances. And so today, for those of you who have ever heard God give you a message or felt like God gave you a straight-up message. Uh, if you would take just a moment, write it down as, as we work our way through uh, this teaching portion of our, of our service um, in a week or two, that'll be mounted up there. And it's just a, I think we're going to see that, that God is indeed speaking to us. in some powerful ways. Let me give you some review principles of where we have been. We've been more than these places, but here's, here's a sort of a brief overview. You need to know that when God speaks, God's messages always lead to freedom and fullness of life, and maybe what you need to know more than that is that God's messages never lead to shame and condemnation. Now, it's a subject for another morning, but I want you to understand that there's a big difference between guilt and shame. There's a big difference between conviction and condemnation, and there are times when God's message to us will, will actually trigger in us guilt, but when we've done something that's wrong, it's probably a good thing to feel guilty, right? Because if you can't feel guilty, you don't have a conscience. That's a bad deal. But there's a big difference between guilt and shame. God's messages never lead to shame and they never lead to condemnation. Second review principle would be this. God's messages cover a wide range. Just take put hit the pause button right there because most often we think that God speaks to us primarily for two things. He wants if you grew up in a legalistic church, you're pretty sure that God wants to speak to you to tell you what not to do. I happen to have grown up in legalistic churches and I sometimes humorously tell people, I grew up in a church where we didn't have Ten Commandments. We only had one. And people think, I'd like to go there. And then I tell them what the commandment was. Thou shalt not anything. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes that's how we tend to view God. That, that the only reason He wants to talk to us is to tell us what not to do or the only reason he wants to talk to us is he wants to tell us all these things that he wants us to do. But the truth is that when we learn how to hear God's voice, he has a wide range of things that he wants to talk to us about, about love, about affirmation, about who we are, insight, warning, correction. But here's the most important thing, and you can sort of underline it in your notes. Because God is our Father, he's actually going to speak to us About everything that a good father would speak to his child about. The whole gamut. God doesn't miss any of it. Here's the third review principle God whispers, He doesn't shout. You may have had parents that shouted and yelled. God doesn't do that. God whispers. So if you want to hear Him, if somebody's whispering, what do you usually do if you want to hear? You lean in, right? course because if you don't lean in the chances of hearing are not very good today more than anything else i want to teach us how to lean in how how can we hear god speak to us so that's the order of the morning so now i'm going to ask you to use your imagination so get comfortable sit back kick off your shoes if you have to because I'm going to read you a story. I would prefer that you close your eyes and just get lost in the story. And oh, by the way, before you do that, you like this thing? This is awesome. I tried to find a, sh- a shepherd staff. And um, my wife called uh, one of the, uh, of the guys in our church. And he said, I'll make you one. Isn't that awesome? So if you know Jimmy T and you know Curtis Newsom, yes indeed. All right. So I'm gonna hold this while I read to you because the story is about a shepherd. But I'm I'm serious when I say use your imagination and close your eyes. The afternoon sun gently splashes across the backs of a flock of contented sheep whose bellies are full of the lush vegetation. That carpets the fertile valley. Nearby, their shepherd reclines on the green rug, his back propped up against a smooth rock. Fingers interlaced behind his head as he looks for interesting shapes in the fluffy clouds that float by. The mind of every sheep, including mine, drifts to the same blissful thought. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. Psalm 23. In my head, I hear of him, violins playing softly in the background. It's an idyllic world, really. No needs. No cares, no danger, no worry. Beautiful music. One thought pervades. This is the life. But without warning, the music morphs. A slow, steady beat begins to pound in the background. The violins gradually give way to distant blasts of trumpets and tubas, pulsating in rhythm with the drum. The beat gets faster and louder and closer. The shepherd rises to his feet with the simple instruction, let's get up, it's time to move. Somehow the panic in my heart doesn't mirror the calmness in his voice. He moves ahead and we all bunch in behind, as he leads us to the narrow valley just ahead. The beat is now deafening. The still waters of the meadow are now the raging waters of rapids raging through the canyon. The green grass has given way to a single brown ribbon that snakes along the canyon sidewall. Overhead, a vulture screeches with delight, caring nothing about who wins the coming battle, interested only in the carcass of the loser." Just then, a brief cold wind surprises me from behind, sending a spine-tingling shiver from my tail to my head. The haunting howl of the hungry wolves echoes from the crags ahead. I can feel my heart and my stomach and my throat. I am freaked out of my mind. Everything in me wants to bolt through this canyon at breakneck speed, Hoping that nothing can catch me. I know it's risky and probably stupid, but my instincts are screaming desperate times call for desperate measures. Beside me, I see a couple of friends with a totally different response. They're frozen, paralyzed with fear, unable to take another step, either forward or backward. Through the din of raging waters, screeching vultures, howling wolves, and moaning winds, we hear the gentle and reassuring voice of the shepherd. Chad, Allison, and Ron, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Isaiah 43. It's just what we need to hear with a faltering trust of children Allison and Derek find the strength to take a step forward, and then another, and another, and soon they're full-on walking again, reassured by the steady encouragement of the shepherd's voice. And somehow I find the faith I need to stay with our shepherd. The journey is hard. The spray from the rapids makes our fleeces heavy. And there's no place to rest. The wolves threaten and come near enough. We can feel the warmth of their rancid breath. But our shepherd always stays between us and them. And eventually, the canyon gives way to a new meadow with a beautiful lake. Danger is past. The relentless pulsations of our fears fade. The violins are playing once again. I guess that old buzzard will have to wait a little longer for his next meal. In the meantime, my friends and I are the happy possessors of a great new principle. Whether in the meadow or the canyon, there's nothing like being with our shepherd and hearing his voice. If you've lived more than a few years, you've been in that place in life, right? Every one of us has. Some of us are probably there this morning. And more than anything else, we don't need a distant God who sort of shouts down edicts and holds us accountable. We actually need a shepherd. Someone that we can hear his voice. Jesus knew that. So he actually borrowed that metaphor, and I want to read it to you. In John chapter 10, we're going to cut right into the middle of his story, but here's what Jesus said. The sheep recognize his, that is the shepherd's voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flocks, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him, Because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they actually don't know his voice. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run away when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't actually their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. doesn't really care about the sheep. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. So with that as a backdrop... How can we hear God's voice? Well, I'm going to start out with three paradigm questions because these are contextual questions that you and I are going to need to to know and to to ask and answer appropriately if if we're ever going to have that kind of relationship with Jesus who loves us so dearly. And here's the first paradigm question. What if... God is not as interested in directing my life as He is in knowing me. I have a confession to make. I've never had a single person come to my office and say, Pastor, I really need God's direction. I really need to hear from God. Can you help me with that? I've actually never had a Christian come to me and ask that question except when they were at a fork in the road and they actually needed God's direction. And at that moment in time, we have this realization, oh my goodness, I want to hear from God. I, I, I want to take us back to the drawing board and ask this paradigm-shifting question. What if God is not as interested in directing my life as he is in knowing me. Then that would mean that God would speak to me about a lot more things than just direction. And I think the overwhelming message of Scripture is that God is not really interested in being your answer man. He would much rather be your dad. And if the only time as a father you ever heard from your children was when they wanted direction on now if you have teenagers you'd probably die for that moment right now but but other than that when your children get to be adults if the only time you hear from them is when they either need direction or money you're going to say this is not working for me second paradigm shifting question is this what if hearing from god is less about asking and more about conversing. It's less about saying, God, what do you want me to do? And it's more about actually having a conversation with God and processing a certain subject with Him. And I'm going to give you a little homework if you're up for that at the very end of this. And, and that's going to be part of the homework is actually processing a subject with God this week. It's one of the most fascinating things that you can do in the Christian life is process a subject with God. And and so what if it's not so much about asking God for direction as it is about talking with Him and processing a subject with Him? And then the third paradigm-shifting question is this. What if God wants to start with me the way He started with Jesus? Do you realize the first message recorded message we have in the Bible where God sent a message to Jesus, his son. You know what it was? It was this. You are my very dearly loved son. I am so happy with you. Do you realize Jesus had not done a single thing in ministry yet? And God was already happy with him? He hadn't taught a single person. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't laid down any new principles. He hadn't done squat. <laughs> and God started with this message. Jesus, as a backdrop for your whole ministry, for the rest of your life, I want these words to echo in your mind. You are my dearly loved son. I'm so happy. Happy with you. I just want to tell you this that message, not the one given to Jesus, but when God spoke that message to me, it changed my life maybe as much or more than any other message I've ever received from God. Now, here's the kicker in that I was nearly 60 when I got that message. I had been a pastor for almost four decades. I looked back on my life and I wondered, I wonder how different my life would have been if I had gotten that message from God early on. So as your pastor and your friend, I want to pass that on to you. And for some of you, that's the very subject you need to process with God this week. And, and when I say process, I mean stay with God till you get that message. If you get it on Monday, great. If you don't get it on Monday, process it again on Tuesday. If you don't get it on Tuesday, that's fine. Process it again on Wednesday. And stay with God until when you get up, you know that you are God's very dearly loved child. And that he's happy with you regardless of what you've done. And regardless of what you haven't done yet. And when that becomes your starting place, what's the essence of the Christian life? Seeking God and learning to live as His, what's the next word? Child. Yeah. So how does God do that? How's He going to get that message across to us? How is God going to speak to me, the person? And so... I'm going to give you four principles, and we'll move through them relatively quickly. They're not difficult principles, uh, but they are profound. They are very profound. And the first one is this. Here's how God speaks to us. In my spirit, by his spirit. You have a spirit, something way down inside you that was given to you by God. There are some days when that spirit is very light and wonderful. And there are some days when it's very dark. Are you with me? If you don't know when that is, just ask the people around you. (laughs) They may tell you, on the way to church this morning, that was dark. Or they may say it was light, all right? You have a spirit, and God's spirit speaks to your spirit deep down inside. So how does that work? Well, fortunately, we have a passage in the Bible that speaks directly to that. So I'm going to take us there. The Apostle Paul, writing to the, to the Christians in Rome, said this, All who are led by the Spirit of God, there you go, led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him, and that was their Hebrew word for sort of daddy or father. And then he closes this out by saying, for God's spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So there's a joining between God's spirit and our spirit. How does that happen? Well, as I pressed into that, God took me to an illustration of something that we have all seen. We've all seen an orchestra tune, or we've seen a guitarist tune his instrument, or we've seen a piano tuner tune a piano. They all work on the identical same principle. If it's the orchestra, it's the oboe. And the oboe will play a note, and then everyone tunes their instrument to that note, that exact pitch. If it's a guitarist, he has an instrument that will send out a frequency, hits the guitar string, and begins to tighten or loosen the tension on the guitar string, until the note that his guitar is making is perfectly in tune with the frequency being sent out by whatever that tuner is. If it's a piano tuner, usually they have a tuning fork, and they bang it on the piano, and it actually sends out a perfect A440 frequency, and then they they go to the A note on the piano, and they begin to, to, to tighten or loosen that tension until and if you listen, you can hear sort of a waffling back and forth and oscillation, and when the oscillation ceases, it means that the string on the piano is perfectly in tune with that a four forty tuning fork. We call that resonance. Did you know your spirit works that way with God's spirit? when God sends you a message it's it's like the piano tuner banging the tuning fork, and there comes the message. And then you have a spirit, and in your spirit you have all these thoughts, but as you begin to process those thoughts, you realize that some of those thoughts actually line up with the message, and they resonate with that message. And when your thoughts resonate with the spirit, now you've received a message from God. Now some of you are looking at me going, wow, that sounds complicated. It's not. You've actually done it already. Or some of you are doing it this morning. For instance, the first time that you came to New Life, okay, so all of you that this is not your first Sunday, the first time that you came to New Life, you walked in the back door and your spirit was on high alert. And your spirit was firing a barrage of questions to you do I feel safe here? Is there anybody here like me? Does the music move me? Does the pastor put me to sleep? Yeah. Yeah. Are there any normal people here? Right? Did I get lost in the service? I mean, you had a ton of questions. And you know what you were doing? You were trying to figure out, is this the right place for me? And you might have thought, that by the time church was done, you got a good vibe here. Can I tell you, this is a church that what you got was much deeper and better than a vibe. You actually got a message from God, and your spirit resonated with God's spirit, and you said, this is the place for me. And you walked out of here with confidence and you didn't realize probably many of you that that message was a direct message from God to you, from his spirit to yours. Now, if you can do that with choosing a church, you can do that every day on almost any subject. Principle number two, the sensitivity principle. Here's what you need to know about sensitivity. It is a developed skill. Okay, confession time. Have you ever gotten in an elevator, totally bored, no one else was in there but you, and you put your hand up there and you tried to read the Braille? (laughs) Everybody here has done that, right? And so you close your eyes and you put your finger on that thing, and you went, I don't know how they do that. I couldn't tell you how many dots were there. I couldn't tell you what configuration they were in. I, I, I don't know how they do that. I, but we probably all have some sight-impaired friends who read Braille books. And if you've ever watched a sight-impaired person read a Braille book, they open the book, and their fingertips literally glide across the page, and it talks to them. how that happen? It happened because they trained. It's a learned and developed skill. And I want to tell you, learning to resonate with God's Spirit, it takes a while to sensitize your spirit to where you can very quickly actually hear God's voice and get a message from Him. But every single person sitting in this audience can actually learn that skill. It just takes a while to develop the sensitivity to it. That makes sense? That's how it happens. Principle number three the human factor. Here's what you have to know miscommunication is not fatal. Okay? Yes, thank God. Anytime you put humans in any equation, you're going to have problems. Here's a great thing about God. <coughs> Excuse me. Most of us are afraid to act on something we think we heard from God in case we didn't hear it correctly. We think that somehow that's going to make God mad and he's going to be upset and we're going to do irreparable damage and so forth. And so we, we, we choose to say thing and we don't do anything. I want you to think with me for a minute. You have a 12-year-old child and you want to teach them how to successfully dive... Into a swimming pool. So you go to a swimming pool that has a diving board, and you get your child out there on the diving board, and the child, depending upon the child, may have some fear. Okay? Um, When your child has fear and they get paralyzed by fear and they stand on the board and they won't jump, I have a question for you Can you teach them anything about diving until they jump? No. It's not until they actually jump off the board. I don't care if they belly flop. Actually, you don't care either. Because if they'll at least dive, you can get them back out of the pool, get on the board and say, okay, this time do this. And they'll try it again. And and, and as a parent, you don't care how many times they belly flop. If they'll keep trying, you know, eventually they'll get it. Do you realize that's how God is with us? He would rather have us get up on the board and belly flop. It's not going to be, it's, we're not going to do irreparable damage, but as long as we get frozen on the board, he actually can't lead us anywhere or teach us anything. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. So try it this week. Okay. And the fourth thing, and this is what we're going to close with. And this is the shepherd principle. I wish I had more time to flush this out for us. But I'm going to say it relatively shortly. This is where God's ways are completely different than ours. If you and I were going, to, were going to be shepherds, you know what we would do? We would survey all the potential sheep and say, I'll take that one, I'll take that one, I'll take that one, I'll take that one. And we would choose all of the best behaved sheep because that would make our job easier, wouldn't we? Did you know that God doesn't do it that way? I want you to look at the board. Here's how God does it. The good shepherd doesn't choose the flock. He invites each sheep to choose him. God doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care how messed up you are. He doesn't care how ugly you are. He doesn't care uh, what kind of damage you bring. God knows if you'll just come be part of his flock, whatever damage has been done in your life can be healed. Whatever sickness you bring can be made well. Whatever wrongs you have done can be forgiven. Whatever skill you lack, he can work in your life, and he can develop that skill in you. The only deal is you have to want to be in his flock. And that's the choice that we give every Sunday, and it's the choice I'm going to give you right now. If you've never made that choice, and I I want to throw in one little tiny caveat, because it's a perfect way to illustrate this. Some of us, the choice, this choice was made for us when we were quite young, probably right after we were born, and as a child, our parents made this decision for us, and they had us baptized in some church, and there's nothing wrong with that. It But in this illustration, when you are born to a father and a mother sheep that are already in the flock from birth, you're sort of in the flock, right? But you know what the good shepherd knows? When you get old enough to decide whether you want to be in the flock or not, you can walk away, or you can make the decision on your own to choose the good shepherd. So even for those of us that that choice was made for us long ago, the Good Shepherd would love to hear from you, hey, I know my parents chose this for me, but I'm telling you right now, today, Jesus, I want to be in your flock. I'm choosing it on my own. So I'm going to give you that uh, that opportunity. Let's bow. Here's a short prayer that you can pray that actually communicates that to God. And if you're ready to make that decision, then make it by repeating this prayer right where you are. Dear Jesus, thank you for being the Good Shepherd. I choose today to become part of your flock. I want to hear your voice. And I believe that you can and will work in my life to correct anything that needs to be corrected. And I believe that you want me to live as your very dearly loved son or daughter and that you are already pleased with me. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.